smart for all this shit. For AA and 12 steps. So smart it hurts. Um, too smart for therapy. Too smart for CBT. Forget that DBT. So smart it hurts. Alright, now, welcome to the episode of Straight Talk from Zorba Chicks, where we discuss an age-old and actually not so funny sometimes topic. I'm too intelligent for blank. Treatment, help, recovery, sobriety. And especially that stupid AA simple bullshit. Even smart recovery isn't enough. I'm too smart for smart recovery. <laughs> you gotta work on that. So this, so we're trying to combine a little humor here in our podcast, but it's actually kind of a serious subject, and it's something uh, I deal with oh too often every day. And I am. My name is Liz Jorgensen. Oh yeah, I'm like counseling. We forgot to introduce ourselves before we sang our rap song. We're just we're too smart. We're too smart we to introduce to say ourselves. Our <laughs> okay, but we are. And straight. I'm Sarah we Benton. Are the sober chicks trying to talk straight, and this. When I, I'm actually a person in long-term recovery. September 22nd, 1985 is my anniversary. And when I was coming up in 12 steps, people would say this is a simple program for, wait, I'm screwing it up. I can't remember what I, simple program for complicated people. For complicated people. people. Thank you. But they didn't really say it that much anymore. That's why they used to say this is a simple program for complicated people. And and people would make fun of that in meetings, like I think I'm just I'm just too complicated for this program. I can't handle it, whatever. And it'd be like, easy does it, keep, keep it, simple, it simple, blah blah blah, one day at a time, whatever. But the issue in terms of treatment and recovery and all the different healing modalities is humility, which the definition in the Oxford Dictionary of humility is to be teachable. Humility, open mindedness, and helpful. Some people have a very, very, very strong intellectual defense where they really do think they've thought themselves into a very complicated set of rationalizations, projections, excuses, etc. for where they're at. And they use that same defense to decide why you're not smart enough, Sarah Batten, to be my therapist. Sometimes I'm smart enough because... I wrote a book about high-functioning alcoholics, so sometimes I'm deemed Actually, as smart enough. You, you know sometimes. what? Sometimes. i got to tell you, so that gives you some street cred. I get a little bit. People love it. They she eat it up. I could, Actually, be, I could be dumb as rocks, but you know what I mean? And you know what? Some people are like, oh, she wrote a book, and they don't even read your book. But it's just the point but that they, I wrote a book, so you know what I mean? True. So I must be smart. But the kidding. issue is a philosophical issue that many, many people stay stuck and actually sadly die of this disease because they... They analyze, 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 analyze. It's a thinking disease. We can explain that. What does that mean? So there's like the behaviors that you see when you with addiction, right? And the things that people see that are tangible. But then after a person gets sober, they're left with their heads. So it becomes a disease of the mind. And that's the part that, you know, 12 step programs, smart recovery, therapy, uh, social support, all cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, DBT are all designed to challenge is the thought process. So the problem you're left with is not a physical craving. It's the psychological tricks that the mind is playing on a person. And a person, this is in my experience, so I interviewed a lot of people that were high-functioning, a lot of them overachievers, intelligent people, professionals, 
doctors, physicians, web designers, teachers, this, that, and the other. But the, what I did was I actually laid out, like, what are the common personality traits of these individuals that were able to maintain their career and a lot of the externals while they were drinking, in particular, drinking alcoholically. And what I found was that the common traits were perfectionism, very goal-oriented, um, high standards of success, usually passed down generationally, high academic or vocational skill sets, innately intelligent, um, super personable people. Um, and, and so these traits are awesome for your job. They probably allow you to succeed great for, for your school. job, for your investments. For Beautiful. Your, yeah. People love to hire these people, right? They're, they can talk their way out of a, you know, out of anything. And so that's wonderful in that domain of life. The problem is when people come into treatment or come into therapy, we're asking people to, and especially when they're getting sober, to almost do the opposite where we're asking them, we're saying the things you were doing weren't working, right? So like in terms of your getting sober, maybe it worked in your job, but those traits are the very barriers that prevent people from getting sober. So it's very, very hard because people are attached to those character char characteristics and personality traits because they've gotten them where they're, they've allowed them to accomplish. Well, they've been survival skills they've and been they've been rewarded extremely often. They've been rewarded Praised. with finances, with praise, with accolades. It's part of their identity, part of their self-esteem. So when they're, when they go into a treatment center or they go to a therapist or they go into a 12-step program, they go to Smart Recovery and they... And they try, and, and they're told that they need to actually unthink, right? So, like, undo the thinking that they need to actually not be overthinking things. That the way that they're doing things, they have to do things differently to stay sober. They get afraid. They're afraid that, well, but this is what worked for me, and this is how I've succeeded. And it's so much of their identity. And so, no one's saying when you're at work, like, keep it simple and don't, you know, don't think. I mean, this isn't like don't analyze. Don't analyze. It's we're asking people in the in the recovery part of their lives to sort of be be te remain teachable, be open minded. Um, how can you maybe do things differently? How are some of these positive attributes and personality characteristics actually, on some level, a character defect that is preventing you from staying sober? And that's a very 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 hard one for for people to digest. But once they get it, that they can still be successful individuals even if they make changes. It's easier, but I find it's a barrier. And so when we're talking about people being too smart to even get into the door of a therapist's office, people that are somewhat honestly narcissistic or intellectualize everything, if you suggest therapy to them, I swear I've had this happen within my family, they'll laugh at you. Oh, yeah. Because therapy, just the act of walking into a therapist's office, well, there's a humility involves in a doing humility. That. You're okay. asking someone else, you're saying, I need, yeah. your, I need some help. I can't do this myself. And the truth is, none of us can do anything. We're not an island. We can't live by ourselves, right? Good so luck getting a gets... cup of coffee in the morning by yourself. I mean, Someone you grew the people. coffee. Someone put the electricity together and come through the wall. It's a delusion. Did you ever hear the joke about the, the insane asylum? I don't know. There's not a few. Okay. Well, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Kidding. That's true. Okay. So this... All right. Well, first, let me back up for a minute because I have had experience working with all kinds of people with all kinds of intellectual levels, etc. And there are some extremely intelligent people that can let go of intellectualizing. I'm not saying that it can't be done. It, it's just, it, if people are less defended with a very, very, very intense intellect, 
they tend to be more willing to just say, oh, you're an expert, like this is what's worked for many other people, okay, I'll try that. It's just, it's interesting, and I'm not saying that those people are not smart, it's just there's less of that prove it to me, prove it to me, prove it to me, <laughs> debate kind of thing. Um, okay, so this is one of my favorite jokes to illustrate what you're talking about. So a guy's driving in the desert, let's say it's Arizona, and one of the wheels of his truck just completely falls off, right? And, the, and he gets out, it's like really the middle of nowhere, and he's and the tires like not damaged. It's just the bolts and the nuts have dispersed in the sand. And he looks at the sand; it's just covered with mica. There's no way he's ever going to find them. So he can't even put the spare on because he doesn't have the nuts and bolts to put the spare on. So he's sitting there scratching the sand. He looks ahead. There's a building about a quarter mile up. It's the only building available. And he says, "Well, I'm going to have to walk there and see if they can get me a tow or what's going on over there." And as he gets closer, he sees it's the state insane asylum. And he's like, oh, man, I, uh, that's kind of weird. And when he gets within, like, 100 feet, a guy who's clearly a patient, who's leaning out the window, says, buddy, I don't have a lot to entertain myself. I saw your predicament, and I have a solution immediately. What I need you to do is take one nut and bolt off the remaining three tires. Take them. Put your tire back on. That'll take you 50 miles into Phoenix. You can get four um replacement nuts and bolts and you'll be fine and the guy's like holy moly that's amazing that's actually brilliant like i thought i was gonna have to have the car towed whatever like that's a brilliant solution he goes if you don't mind me asking what's a brilliant guy like you doing locked in a mental hospital and the guy starts laughing frenetically and he says oh i'm not here for being stupid i'm here for being insane <laughs> now i'm not trying to make fun of insane people but the truth is, intelligence doesn't exempt you from... From irrational decisions. Or from having diseases, or mental health mental issues, health and conditions. Issues, in fact, that's correct. And so it actually it gets in the way of the treatment process, especially if people are attached to their symptoms in the sense that they identify with them as being the way the world is, but not their perception of it. Um, egocentonic versus egodystonic, right? Really, attachment to... to your anxiety, your attachment to your... Yeah, no, I'm just like revving on that. Right, so well, the easier time that I have when I, as a therapist is when clients are able to see their anxiety or depressive symptoms as something out here outside of themselves and something that we can combat and, and cope with and work with. The harder time is when clients are speaking to me about their anxious and depressive symptoms as the way they see the world yeah. and the way that the world is can and I, that the way they feel is a product of the world. Well, can I see this? Okay, I'll just tell you my favorite moments as a therapist, well, there's many, but around this topic is, I will have literally said to a client who's displaying what, you're, what you just described, and I'll say your thoughts are only thoughts, they're not real. You don't have to believe everything you think. A thought is just a thought, and they get so mad, they get so upset because they're personally attached to the thought. Right. And then when you see that moment of revelation, because it's freedom, when they say, oh, it's just a thought. Like, literally, that is life-changing when they go, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to be intensely personally identified with that thought. It's so cool. But intelligent people are often attached to their thinking because they're praised for it, and it... Get it, it there, they obtain goals with it. So when you're saying yeah. your thoughts are distorted in some way, it free, it scares it freaks them, them it out. scares them. So, but it's like I'm not saying at work when you have an idea about how to balance the budget that your thinking is off, it's really when you're in distress over anxious symptoms or you're obsessively well, looping. And is thinking. this a good way to say it that to say 
when you feel distressed, look at your thoughts. Yes. And say, is Perfect this thought time. real? Exactly. Don't worry about any other time. Like when you're in, you know, like if you're on a roll at work, if you're on a roll at work, go with me surgery. Go with that thinking. Stop questioning that stuff. Just do it. But when you're starting to feel distressed or when you're starting to plan a relapse or when you're starting to rationalize and project and make excuses for acting out in a way that you know you're not supposed to, take a moment, look at your thought from the outside. Now, I think, I don't think we have a singing career, but I think we can write more lyrics to the song. You want to work on that? We might like, have like another verse in us. Of I'm too intelligent to get sober. We I want to work on it, man. I really do. Well... I like it. I don't know what we're gonna do with it, but I really, um, I think, I think we got something going. On. I, I mean, no, no recording contract. No, but you know what? We're doing it for fun. <laughs> got that right. So Clearly. please don't be too smart today to learn something. Be teachable in every moment, our friends who are listening to the podcast. Please, please, please take your recovery seriously, but not yourself too seriously. And on that note, I'm going to just have my question of the day. Ooh. Is what you're doing working? Working! Is what you're doing working? Booyah! <laughs>